sit down and buckle up. It's time for the Pirate Monk Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. I'm Nate Larkin, joining today with two Aaron's. Aaron with an A, our old pal, sitting uh, surrounded by, well, more a than mess. you can possibly imagine. If you can, yeah. if, you, uh, if you, <laughs> so embarrassing. Uh, if I knew how to do the little, like fade everything out thing, I would do it. But I okay. don't know what where that button is. Okay, Aaron with an A Got, and Aaron with an E, who is in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, spouse of uh, Schwind Daddy, Justin Schwind. Aaron, the power uh, really behind Dr. Tom Mocha, she really makes this, makes Samson House roll. And she also is uh, deeply involved in the Sarah Society. We don't, we don't, I know you guys are very, very busy at the Sarah Society, but we don't hear a lot from, you know, that side of the house. <laughs> uh, so now we get a chance to like talk. It's, <laughs> What's going on over in the girls' dorm? <laughs> <laughs> that was creepy, uh, but yeah. I'm I'm interested too. Tell us. <laughs> I, I feel like you want like some some pillow fighting going I on. I thought that exact <laughs> thing when he said How that. You know? Oh my gosh, <laughs> we're so ridiculous. That was exactly the thought. All right, I. Okay, full stop and restart. Hey, for those for those who don't even know what the Sarah Society is, Aaron, <laughs> catch them up. It's yes. the pillow fights. Right? Oh, okay, you man. know what? We we do encourage women when they are angry um, or raging to take it out on a pillow. So there is maybe okay. some pillow fighting going on in some capacity. Thank goodness, Nate. We're not just perverts. <laughs> <laughs> No, the Sarah Society is uh, the or an organization connected under Samson House that supports female betrayed partners. We approach it from a Christian perspective, uh, just like Samson, but we're not limited to, uh, to only uh, women mm-hmm. who are partners. And we uh, we are gearing up for a retreat here next week. So y'all caught me on a day of mad dashing. I have Islander training that starts tomorrow and it runs for four days. And then I leave the next day for Texas for the retreat and I'll be gone a week. Um, so today was the like clean the car day, you know, get all the, the gifts ready for the kids because I'll be gone for a week. So bless Justin for having to deal with the kids with, my, with me being gone for a week because it's going to be... Hard. Well, Aaron, how many, I know you've got virtual stuff happening. How many groups, how many women are involved with that? We have about 550 women in the Sarah Society right now. Um, we have at least one meeting every day, except on Saturday. Um, and most days have two meetings uh, a day. Wow. Wow. That is so cool. Yeah, it's exploded in the past two, three years. Um, it. Uh, mind-boggling explosion so if if women are listening to this or husbands who think oh man that group would be really well okay okay i'm gonna pull back on that before you answer that question be careful husbands before you figure out what would be great for your wives be just very very careful of that train of thought that i almost said uh without 
remembering how fruitless that was and injurious that can be in my own life. So, for those women who are listening and (laughs) husbands who would be encouraged to know it exists, how do people find out, like, where the meetings, how do they get involved with the meetings? Absolutely. Uh, You can go online to sarahsociety.com, and it's Sarah with an H, um, and you register for a newcomer's meeting, and that's where we tell you uh, more about Sarah Society and how we uh, maintain a safe uh, community. And then from there, you can become a member, and that's when you gain access to the meetings and the resources that we, we offer. And then you can just jump into any of the meetings, same as Sam's Society virtual meetings. Yeah. And you've got these great annual, are they annual? They're more than once a year, aren't they? It seems like you've done a couple of them. Is it just once? Wow, that's just because time is flying so fast. It's an annual <laughs> is it, retreat. Is yeah, it just yeah. annual? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, we also do quarterly webinars. We bring in people like um, Barb Steffens, um, hopefully someone like Dr. Sherry Keffer to to present on topics that are coming up over and over and over again in Mm -hmm. conversations within Sarah. Um, And those webinars are just for Sarah members. We have a resource library that we're building of them. And um, as a uh, place for women to find information that is reliable, dependable, and betrayal trauma informed. Well, man, I wish, I mean, I don't know who Dr. Sherry Keffer is. Can we get her on the line? And can I'd like to be introduced to her. Can we take a quick break? And Aaron, can you work this out? Or, or Nate? Aaron, Aaron, Aaron has connections. I'm sure okay, if right. anybody can right. connect with Dr. Sherry let's, Keffer, it's going to be Aaron Schwinn. Well, let's take a break so we can talk more about this. But Man, I would like to meet that person who is so high in your esteem. So, uh, listeners, just hang on. Hold on. We'll be right back. Jeez, let's try to work this out. (laughs) You know, listening to podcasts like this one is certainly helpful to your recovery. And so are the many books that we recommend. But recovery is not something that any of us can do by independent study. None of us can recover alone. We heal in relationship. So it's crucially important for you to find a recovery community, a Samson Society group, or a Pure Desire group, or a Celebrate Recovery or other 12-step program somewhere where you can bring your real self and say the real truth. And there's another resource that you can draw on, one that's been extremely helpful to me over the years, In those times when my recovery has plateaued or when I've gotten stuck or I've started to lose ground, I've found that there's nothing like time with a highly skilled, well-trained therapist or recovery coach to get me moving again. Now, sometimes that's taken the form of a weekly counseling appointment. At other times, it's meant attending a week-long or a weekend intensive. If you're ready to take a dramatic step forward in your recovery, let me suggest LifeWorks Christian Counseling. Uh, These are good folks. The Hunters and their staff get addiction. They understand trauma, and their approach is both biblically and scientifically sound. They work with individuals and couples. They're based in Madison, Mississippi, but they can work with you anywhere remotely through Zoom. 
And at various times throughout the year, they also run weekend intensives for Samson guys. To learn more, go to lifeworks.ms. That's lifeworks.ms. Or give them a call at 601-790-0583. Welcome back to the Pirate Monk Podcast. This is a very special episode we have as our guest this week, Dr. Sherry Keffer, whose book, Intimate Betrayal, is the one that I uh, I choose first when I'm asked for a referral. Somebody wants some advice, a good resource on betrayal trauma. Uh, Dr. Sherry is a regular co-host of the nationally syndicated radio talk show, New Life Live, which has an audience of more than 2 million people each week. Over 22 years, she's worked as a doctor of marriage and family therapy in Newport Beach, California. Through her own personal story of recovery, Dr. Sherry understands that trauma symptoms often associated with sexual betrayal and uh, uh, post-traumatic stress. As a certified, oh, so she carries a whole bucket of certifications. She's also a keynote speaker and recipient of the 2019 ITAP Outstanding Publication Award for the book Intimate Deception. Dr. Sherry, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, I'm honored. I'm honored to be here. I call that alph- alphabet soup. That's all the letters that come up. You know, to be honest, probably the area that I think is more more credible than alphabet soup is just having been a betrayed partner and now working with thousands of betrayed partners, kind of as my hope is to be a partner whisperer, like the horse Mm -hmm. whisperer. It's like a partner (laughs) whisperer when it comes to the impact of sexual betrayal. So hopefully there'll be something that we talk about today that'll make sense to those of you that are listening, but I'm honored to be here. Well, let me know, uh, let me uh, let you know one other reason why this is a very special episode. We are recording this on the 20th anniversary to the day, 20 years ago today was the very first meeting of the Samson Society. There were 12 of us in the room, 11 of us were married. Uh, those of us who were married had really at that point, no clue what we had put our partners through. Now my marriage survived. Several of those marriages survived, but not all of them, but every man did. Uh, and in the years since, uh, I myself have come to a far greater understanding of what Allie went through. Uh, I'm, I'm sure I still have more to learn. And I know that our male listeners have more to learn and the women who love them also listeners, this podcast have much to learn. So on a very special day, a very special guest, I, and, and it's all happening on Valentine's day, which I just think is incredibly appropriate. Yeah. There is a divine originator of that, Nate. I mean, who would have thought that the 20 year anniversary would be divinely on Valentine's day to talk about, you know, and and I think about you and those group of men, Mm -hmm. you know, just starting out on this. And honestly, you give me hope because look at what's happened. You probably thought 20 years ago, you, you would never imagine sharing your story or even Mm -hmm. allowing what happened to you and your wife or the other men to be talked about publicly. But look, what God has done and look how far y'all have come in letting God take 
that story that you have and transform it into a ministry for those that are in need right now. Like they're like you were 20 years ago. So, <laughs> yeah, Sherry, I imagine that there are messages that uh, over the years of you doing this are kind of your core messages to those who have been betrayed, those who did the betraying, and them as a couple. Like th- these are different and completely intersecting things. Uh, what are like, where do you start with each of those? to the betrayed, to the betrayer, and to them as a couple that still has hope. Yeah. Well, let me start by saying this, and I mean this, um, I love you. I'm talking to you as a, a person who's experienced sexual betrayal, but my story doesn't stop there, even though having been ma- married to a man who was a sex addict, um, he was a pastor, right? Uh, and we had a ministry at a very influential church. But what the church didn't know and what I came to find out more about is that there had been a porn addiction that had been there for years before we got married. And now I know that a lot of our guys find pornography back when they're six, seven, and eight years old. And it's very normalized in the man world, right? It's just they've got this man box and there's conversations about it and they don't really think there's anything wrong with it. Um, I think it's because it's so normalized. But what what we now know, and I, and I wrote a, a chapter in a book by um, Sam Black. I know you guys had him on mm-hmm. your show. Yeah. Yeah, he wrote the book, The Healing Church. And Sam reached out to me and asked me if I would be interested and open to writing the chapter on partner trauma. And I was like, yeah, of course I would. The thing is, is as I was writing that chapter, I developed a, um, well, you'll see it in the book if you get it. I encourage you to get The Healing Church. But it's basically the traumatic um, reactions of pornography and the impact of that to a human being, to, to someone who's on the other side of feeling threatened by the pornography. It's it's the traumatic, traumatic relational impact of pornography. And it's traumatic to their spirituality and their faith, to their identity. Um, there's a negative impact on love and the relationship. Um, there's actually an impact to their personal health, lots of health issues, impact to their sexuality, which is the very area that is sacred that has now been compromised. And there's emotional injury and there's even psychological abuse behind porn use. So I hate porn. I hate it. I, there's not, no redemptive value in it. I have people that disagree with me and I'm good with that because I don't see any good in it. It's like the gateway drug that kids find and they become victims of the porn industry and then they bring it into their marriages because, or serious relationships, partnerships, because they think that it'll it'll either go away or they just don't really realize how damaging pornography is to the person, to their spouse or significant other. So let's start there because I've I've sat with many couples where the wife is feeling the depth of everything you just said and the husband is saying it's not about you. I don't find you less attractive. I don't 
It's just not about you. And both of them are right. It is 100% about her for all the reasons you just listed. When he says that, what he's saying is, I'm not doing this because I am not attracted to you. I think you're ugly, and so I'm going to find something beautiful. It's, it's something else. But it can never feel like that to the wife because she's absolutely right. It is about her. But, oh, so many husbands I've sat with are like, okay, no, 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 understand this differently. It's not about you. So, so let me walk into that, Aaron, because as a betrayed partner, this is my, my pop-up in the moment, even in this conversation. I would spar with the husband. I would say, it actually is about me. Mm-hmm. It's about not protecting me. It's about feeling less than. Because when you're looking at pornography, it strips me of my femininity. It strips me of my sensuality. All of a sudden, my body that I thought you used to love and adore and enjoy and caress, and I felt like you were into me, I am threatened by a host of porn videos and images and a very deep, dark cavern of dark sexual things that can take you anywhere you want to go, including bestiality. It it is dark. I know I've gone on to these porn places because I've looked, had to look to understand the work that we're doing. But every time you look at that image, it strips me of who I am as a female. And so it is about me because I'm not being protected from your your desire to look at that. Now, I I tell partners, it's not about you, right? And, And we all get that in our mind. It's not about me. It's about the poor. It's about their acting out. But let's just talk about deeper about what it does to the soul, what it does to the dignity. I, I, I love when the conversation only stays in the, it's not about you, it's something over here. And then the other side is, well, it is about me because of, uh, you know, I'm supposed to be the one person in your life. All of that, it misses that deeper thing that you just said, which is the protection piece. This, that my vulnerability to you in intimacy is fragile and in danger of being broken, and it needs to be protected. And you are running over it with a stampede of pornographic images, just crushing it. I I like that you're coming at it from the protection aspect, because that is a big part of the betrayal. Well, and I might say this, Aaron, if you could answer for that husband, I might say this, ask a question to him. So what is the allure when you have a real woman in front of you? Why go there? Why share her with images she can't even begin to compete with? Why, why do that? Yeah, I, my immediate thought when you ask that is, oh, damn, that's a dangerous question because that could bring many husbands back to, well, 
You have not been sexually available to me. I have been lonely and isolated. And I'm sure that's not the best way to go about it. But if you want the answer, that's the answer. Now, I'm sure there's a lot of other answers, but that would be one that I could hear so many men answering that they wouldn't want to because it would be, oh, I'm not trying to justify it. I know it's still wrong, but that would be their answer. And so let me let me answer that. I would say, well, I imagine there was a time in your relationship when you were dating or you didn't feel alone, you didn't feel unloved, you felt seen. And what changed, right? Because mm-hmm. that the pornography, when I do therapeutic full disclosures, which we do regularly, um, what I find is that there's a tale of pornography that went into their dating life and even before they dated. There's, right. there's years of use, right? So you know what I call that? And I'm, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but I look at that and I say, that's an excuse. That's minimizing. That's rewriting history in order to get some kind of a hall pass to be able to make it okay instead of really looking at the bigger problem underneath. Mm -hmm. There's been a disconnect. There's been something that porn has done to erode your ability to be in relationship. And I imagine you wouldn't have chosen this woman if you felt completely ignored in exchange. And I'm not talking about, right, we all know, as all of us, there's many, many of us that have trauma. And there are some partners that come in the relationship that have complex trauma, meaning they had complex trauma in their family of origin. Mm-hmm. It might have been an unsafe environment for them to be. Um, there might be some issues um, of disconnect. Connor and I, my former husband, actually, I had some fears of intimacy. I grew up with a mom who was paranoid schizophrenic and a dad who was enabler. Now, there is some real trauma there that I wanted Connor to pick me, like pick me, pick me, pick me. And if he could pick me before he rejected me, I would consider that a big win, right? But he also had some intimacy issues that he came in with. And so those were there. But on top of that is the sexual deception. And had Connor come to me without a tail, if he had never looked at pornography in his life, never gone there to numb out, never gone there to look, we might have had a very different conversation when we started our relationship. But that was like an undertow that just when there were, when he when he married me and we started going to bed together and sleeping together, that's when his addiction even went deeper. Because now he's he's in a bed with a woman that he feels the need to be intimate with and it, he's scared out of his mind. Yeah. Okay, Nate, you've got something yeah, to say, yeah. but then I I've got well, a question. Yeah, I want to bring I want to bring another Aaron into the conversation because we have Aaron Porter in the room here. We also have Aaron Schwind with us, uh, uh, who can speak uh, into this conversation from the uh, partner's perspective. Aaron, uh, Aaron with an E. So I got Aaron with an A and Aaron with an E. Aaron with an E. <laughs> you you are of all men blessed. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, we love you, Aaron Schwind. Uh, <laughs> well, and, and Aaron Porter, I'm just, I'm just gonna uh, infer that. <laughs> None taken, Nate. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right. 
um, what what's what's been rattling around in your brain as this conversation has gotten going and gained speed very quickly? Yeah, I can completely relate to what Sherry was sharing about uh, what what I've learned on my journey is Justin came into our marriage expecting <clears throat> the marriage to rescue him from his addiction. And when and I also came in with fears of rejection, abandonment, uh, not allowing him to be close to me. Um, so when those collided, destruction happened. And so I'm I'm nodding along as she's sharing, going, absolutely. That was definitely our case. And then you you add the compound trauma of just the way that I felt about my body, um, growing up in a religious community, being told certain messages about my body, growing up in a secular community, being told certain messages about my body and trying to navigate that. And my marriage is supposed to be that safe place where my body is beautiful and sacred and desired. Um, and like she was saying, you can't compete with no. the false images and, So uh, here's here's the the complexity that I'm hearing as as you're talking, Sherry, and as Aaron is articulating that such a foundational thing of yes, this was a part of so many men's lives way before marriage, and then marriage was supposed to solve it. Uh, it I don't know. It was never said directly, but man, I feel like every guy thinks that. Once I get married, especially if they're religious and like I kept myself pure-ish uh, <laughs> to this point, <laughs> and and this will be better. And then it's surprising and horrifying um, that nope, this isn't solving it. So it, it becomes that complex thing where the depth of how you described it is so important. And for any listeners that have struggled with. Uh, feeling like this is not about my spouse, this is my own struggle, the way Sherry described it is so deeply important at the beginning of this. But then even going back to the stories of both of the partners before the marriage, that, okay, that that boy was trying to fill something in his life with pornography before that he hoped marriage would solve. And then, and we're talking about this as if it's just guys who look at porn and women who are the victims of that. And I, I just want to do a shout out to all you ladies that struggle with porn, because this is not fair to you to think we don't know that's a reality as well. But for the sake of this conversation, this is the way we're putting it. We get to the marriage point and we've got the broken boy and the girl with her needs and her desires. Flip the rolls if you need to. Now it becomes complex because it's not just about the villain and the victim. It's about something more complex than that, especially if we're going to move towards healing, right? Well, yeah, I think, um, you know, I think that that young boy was a victim of the mm -hmm. porn industry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so now we have a dilemma right? And in the marriage, it's like, what do I do with this pornography? Now, if I have a compulsion towards it, if I'm 
acting out and hiding it from you, right? One of the keystones of a committed relationship is consent. Mm -hmm. Consent is an agreement which says, hey, right, we committed, right, to forsaking all others. And I will have conversations with gentlemen and they'll say, well, I haven't betrayed her. I mean, I haven't acted outside of our marriage. Yeah. And, and and then there's some education that needs to happen about the traumatic nature of porn relationally and the threat in the relationship. And we've talked about that already. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when I think about that, there's a whole nother level of challenge that is in that relationship. And maybe, Aaron, you can speak to this as well as a betrayed partner. But not only is there the compulsive sexual acting out of whatever kind, right? Mm-hmm. Now there's a co-occurring integrity disorder. There's an issue with integrity because integrity means I come to you and ask for consent. Hey, I just want you to know I'm looking at pornography. I just took my iPad into the bathroom and looked and masturbated. I, You know, whatever. I'm acting out. Um, or I went to a massage parlor, a strip club, or whatever. I just want to inform you. And, you know, we're talking about consent. And when there isn't consent, that's where it's, I consider it intimate deception. And the integrity disorder happens when somebody comes home, as Connor did in our relationship. And my goodness, we would have people pray in our living room. We would, um, you know, we would cook together. We, um we rode our bikes to spaghetti factory. We had lots of things we did. We would go out with other couples. We served in ministry together. But underneath the integrity problem is that he wasn't being who I thought he was. There's there's mm-hmm. secret. He would come home and it seemed like everything was okay. And but there was lying, lying by omission. Um, when I would catch him, there would be times that he would put it on me, right? Mm. It's kind of what I think the temptation to do is. And I, I think that there are gentlemen who do that, spin it and put it on their wife. Well, it's because you're not available. Before you do any more deeper dive around that, what is that? But that could be gaslighting. It's like sticking it on her instead of having to take ownership over what is actually happening. So it's the lying, it's the blame shifting, it's doing it, having the secret sexual basement of sorts. And I talk about that in Sam's book, The Healing Church, where there's this basement they go down into, they sexually act out, and then they come upstairs, they spend time with the kids, they they make dinner with you, they do all these social things, but they're not being honest about this whole hidden secret sexual world. Well, that almost must feel worse, right? Like if if you felt like oh I could tell something was wrong I just didn't know what it was it feels way worse if it was like you seemed totally fine and you were able to pull this off that that's got to feel like a worse betrayal. Yeah, in my research, when I asked the betrayed partners in my book, um, while both of these things are horrible, right, the sexual acting out and the types of sexual acting out, which if you saw my research in my book, it included everything from pornography, Mm -hmm. prostitutes, infidelity, all that. Both of these things are horrible, but which one feels worse? Is it the sexual acts that have been done? Or is it the ongoing intimate lies, the deception? 
And that's the intimate deception betrayal trauma. And they say 65% of them said exactly what you said, Aaron. It's the lies. It's that ongoing hiding, lying, and not telling me, not giving me a chance to have an honest, equal setting in the relationship to really know what's going on. Yeah. Nate, give me your thoughts. Well, uh, this is a very uh, terrifying conversation for a man who has uh, a, a long history of lying. And I speak as somebody, well, I was down that road. I, there, I was in recovery three years before um, I told Alex. And I, it, again, it was deception by omission. I told her early on, I'll answer, I'll give you an honest answer to any direct question. But I didn't give her any reason to even suspect I might have physically ever have stepped out of the relationship. She was operating under the assumption it was porn and porn alone. It was only three years in uh, when uh, a skeptical therapist kind of pricked at that assertion of hers. Nate would never do that. Really? Are you sure? That, you know, late one night as I was about to fall asleep, she asked the fateful question. Uh, now, that was. I was committed to telling her the truth. By then, I had told a lot of other people the truth, including our kids. Um, it was an enormous relief to finally say it, but it was terrifying as hell to say it as well. Because well, I we, thought, we're going to blow we, this thing up. So so uh, you're helping lots of couples through this therapeutic. Dis I'm so glad. There was no help 25 years ago Yeah, for, ther for, for, yeah. for a therapeutic disclosure. None. We were on our on our own. So but that's that's what I was going to say, Nate. Is you are giving the biggest billboard advertisement for men who want to address this in their life to yeah. seek help with disclosure? Because I I got so burnt out by sitting with couples doing disclosure, and then six months later it was oh oh there's also this, and I'm like what the hell. Are you, what, yeah, right. why, why are we doing this again? And then six months later, and by that point, the marriage would end because the disclosure had been so bad and it increased exactly this. It was just, yeah. oh yeah, you know that truth I finally told you? That wasn't the whole truth. Here's a little bit more. And yeah, guess right. what? We're going to do some more. So getting help, which is out there, seems huge for this. And it's it's not just that, Aaron. It's also... Any lies that are are uncovered during recovery um, that the wife just affirms to the wife he's not being fully transparent or fully honest. So it could be something as quote unquote silly as no, I didn't go to McDonald's, but here's the receipt for five dollars for your milkshake. Like why right. lie about it? And that sends the wife's or the partner, the betrayed partner, just spinning. Like mm -hmm. here I am once again being caught in this web of deceit and deception. And that's what destroys, uh, yeah. in my opinion, the marriage more than. Well, and, and that shows how deep the triggers that Sherry's talking about go, that McDonald's can equal that level. Well, Sherry, you just said some stuff and we ran off and talked about a bunch of other stuff. So what are you thinking right now? <laughs> well, you know, I think that we deserve the gold standard. I really do. I think couples, especially couples that 
um, are in the body of Christ, I think, deserve the gold standard of treatment, whether they are in the body of Christ or not, right? I think people, couples deserve that. And sitting down and thinking about this process from start to finish, you know, Aaron, I appreciate what you just said about the six months full disclosure, and then there's more. And Barbara Steffens did some research and showed that those type of admissions those, um, I look at them as grenades, um, are basically traumatizing each one because the wife will say, is that all? Is that everything else? And we've had, we've had couples that the husband will say, I swear on my mother's dead body, you know, or Mm -hmm. I swear on the Bible, this is it. So in my betrayal recovery roadmap, there's like five phases. Um, and phase one is D-Day, right? Phase two is stabilization, but phase Um, I'm sorry, phase one is stabilization, but phase two and three are all about what we're talking about right now. It's about that therapeutic full disclosure. And this is going to probably make some people's hearts pitter patter because it happens, you know, when we start talking about honesty is oftentimes we use, and most often we use polygraphs at the end of a very thoughtful carefully done therapeutic full disclosure and polygraph. I'm not talking about a disclosure. There's people that go to weekends events and they are told, go home and tell your wife what you've done, which I think is reckless because she's not Mm -hmm. even in a place where she can get care. I mean, he comes home and on a napkin at, you know, Denny's the next day, he's telling her what I've done. And we've all seen that damage, but as a very loving, thoughtful process of truth telling, um, that's done. I, some of those alphabets in the alphabet soup, it's a certified sex addiction therapist, a CSAT. Um, I'm also a cert- certified partner trauma therapist, but CSATs, and I met with ITAP, the International Institute of Trauma and Addiction Professionals. And we're trained like Navy SEALs how to do these things and then to have them tested at a fidelity polygrapher, which we have a relationship with, not like a do-it-yourself polygraph, acne polygraph down the street, where, you know, who knows right. about that. But it's very thoughtful. And it's it's basically to transfer the information from one partner to another. And what that does, for the first time ever in that relationship, you're giving that couple to have equal footing and to have honest restoration without the ongoing lying and deception and the one who's acted out i mean they got a lot of shame about what they've done but also about what they haven't told and so it's like gangrene in their soul so when that stuff comes out and there is a sharing of that and then there's uh, counselors that are supporting that couple through that process even though that is a trauma event it's it's it slays the dragon of deception it's kind of like mm-hmm. I just see all the time how I just feel like deception is taken down and mm-hmm. and then the healing process can begin. And if there's other relationship issues, they come after that, right? But typically yeah. marriage counseling, you can go into a marriage counselor that isn't doing this deeper work and they're working thinking it's a marriage issue, but it's not a marriage issue at all. It's a sexual deception issue that... Mm-hmm hasn't been unearthed or owned or cared for. Um, and there are tools, there are people that wow. can do this kind of stuff. And 
And and to the betrayed partner, having a person with that education will help you navigate through. There can be a lot of things that you're thinking, I want to know this, 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 and this. And it might not be the most helpful first steps or ever steps, and they can help you walk through it. Now, Dr. Sherry mentioned that they were trained like Navy SEALs. That might come with some waterboarding of your spouse. I'm not sure before the polygraph. (laughs) And maybe that gives you some comfort and some fear to other listeners. But, you know, but I I really think that's important that it's, it's not just to lead the betrayor. But the person who's betrayed to walk through, okay, what what is it your heart really wants to know? And it might not be the first thing that's coming to your mind right now. Yeah, it's it's really a very um, interesting thing. Everybody has things that they want to know, and and what I see in betrayed partners, I talk about the pillars. There's two pillars of safety and the truth, and partners work very hard. And I think couples work very hard. And I think the one who's betrayed works hard to to help her feel safe, right? I mean, that's, I want you to feel safe. I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to calm your heart. But more often than not, what I see, if she doesn't know the tr- truth, and it's exactly that, Erin, she's got all these questions bouncing around in her mind, the things that she knows and the things that she doesn't know. And it's hard for her to settle until she knows that. And I often see a calm after the storm, not to say that there isn't pain and boundaries and fear and hurt, but there is a difference in the hypervigilance. It goes from (gasps) tornado to like, (sighs) oh, that hurts me to death, but it makes sense to me now because I felt this or experienced that or felt disconnected or yeah, around that event that happened or around the time we had kids or whatever. It's like all of a sudden things make sense. And then for the one who's betrayed, I see uh, so much ownership over, yeah, I didn't realize I've never put down my acting out on paper. Like one of the the gentlemen, you know, who spoke, he says, I've never seen my evil on paper, right? Mm -hmm. And I say that, with compassion because we don't want to look at that. We don't want to see what we're doing because it brings up so much shame and hurt inside of us. We just want to run away from it, even though we continue to do it or we're hiding it, but there is a path into freedom and truth is a part of that. Honesty is a part of that. So we've talked about this before on the show, but just for our listeners to understand from your perspective, if there is a spouse that wants to disclose to their wife or their husband, um, what should they be looking for as far as qualifications to know this is a person who can safely guide me and my spouse through this process? What do they look for? Both red flags on, nope, that's not it. And yeah, okay, I can trust that. Thank you for asking. And um, I feel privileged to just say what I want to say. And then you all can, who are listening, you can do your own homework. But I want to give a shout out to International Institute of Trauma and Addiction Professionals. There's a certification. It's called a CSAT, Certified Sex Addiction Therapist. Uh, and again, there's training for how to do this. 
Um, I think if you're, I think couples often, the first area they want to go to is couples therapy. They might even go to their pastor, which is great. That's a first step. But in traditional couples therapy, without going through this process, what can happen is that couple, things get buried alive. And the sexual acting out gets buried alive. And you think you're doing work, but you're actually spinning your wheels. And let me let me tell you maybe why I'm so passionate about this, y'all. I Connor and I didn't do this. We didn't move through a process. Like you said, Nate, there wasn't anything back then. Yeah. And I would have given my eye teeth for Connor to be in your 12, you know, mm-hmm. your dozen guys that were really having to face each other and be honest, but he wasn't willing to get into an, a sex addiction recovery group or a group like you all offer here. He wasn't in a place of getting you know, honest. So we went to counseling for four years with a marriage therapist. She's brilliant. I, I love her to this day, but we were going individually. He was going, I was going. And as a couple, we were going four years three times a week. We never got to honesty. And during that time, he continued in affairs, pornography, and even um, had been acting out with prostitutes. Mm -hmm. So the level of help that he needed was big. The level of intervention that we needed was big, but we didn't know about the types of people or the types of intervention and with this, I kind of like ask people, I go, well, if you want to take your marriage with th- these issues and you want to, in essence, go to a therapist, traditional therapist, like going to, uh, to a podiatrist for a brain aneurysm, you can do that. But if I had a brain aneurysm or a brain tumor, I would be looking for the best clinician to treat that brain tumor because there's a certain level of expertise with that. And, and I would go that direction. Um, because I think ultimately it saves pain, time, money, and years of spinning, wandering in the wilderness. And maybe my marriage would have been saved if we had the right steps and the steps are in place. People just don't necessarily know how to find these people. Um, but thank you for letting me share about that today. Well, and let's just throw out that uh, there has never been a time in history where this help is more accessible because it can be done online, even if you don't have a CSAT in your town. And I, I will follow up. Uh, I'll raise my hand as the 22 and a half year pastor to say, yeah, you want to go tell your pastor, bless you. Those guys have not been trained in this even slightly. And often the advice will be, if you just give him more sex, it'll get better. I have heard that over and over, which only shows that most pastors have zero training in this. They love you and bless their hearts, and they are absolutely the last people most folks should go to to address this. And and if you're a pastor that's listening, because I love what you're saying, Aaron, from your own experience, ITAP has a PSAP training. It's P-S-A-P. It's a training for pastors. Like, I think... What is it? Like, let's invest. Let's become the gold standard to help couples, whether it's a pastor, whether it's a counselor, 
uh, therapists, whatever. Let's be, let's get that training um, to become the gold standard so that we can offer more thoughtful, better, helpful care. Yeah. Pastors, go get that. Get it. Get it. And and if you're listening and want to talk to your pastor, just check in and say, hey, have you had any of this training? And if they say, oh, no, what's that? You can explain it to them and go find a CSAT to talk to. Yeah. That and seems fair. I just want to affirm what Sherry was saying, because um, we saw a counselor as well uh, after uh, first and second D-Day's. And I would say for most of it, Justin honestly thought he was saying the reasons why he was acting out. He honestly thought it was because X, Y, and Z were not happening in the relationship or were happening in the relationship. Mm -hmm. And it took someone with those credentialing, the CSAT, to ask those questions, to go deeper, to go, is that really it? For him to start connecting those dots and go, oh, no, I was actually seeking connection or the deeper stuff. So I affirm that need to have that higher credentialing to ask for both sides. For yeah, the well, what, what did it mean to you, Aaron, when he, when, when the right questions were asked, yeah. I, I got to think that felt like just someone giving you a soul massage, like, Oh, good <laughs> for Pete's sake. Somebody asked him and, when you saw lights come on, what did, what did it do for your heart? I want to hear. I would say both that relief of that relief of, yes, we're getting to the deeper issues, but also that acknowledgement of like, I already felt so broken when he was saying, Aaron, it's because you're not doing this or you are doing this. I felt mm. so broken. Like what is wrong with me? Like my identity um, on top of the betrayal, just kept getting further and further buried. And so for someone to walk in and go, Aaron, he's actually seeking, you know, these other things. Let's go deeper. It's not because, you know, uh, you gained weight or you were um, a cold wife or uh, you weren't available all the time or all the things that women want to say in their minds. Mm -hmm. It was, it was almost a blessing of, Aaron, you're not that broken. You're not the one who has destroyed this relationship because you can't, quote unquote, be fixed with counseling. So it was this bittersweet moment of like, I feel so seen and like just that blessing of, ah, I'm not the one. Well, he's not the one that was utterly broken either. We're both broken, but to, to, to feel like it was all being poured on me like yeah. I'm only doing this because um, to have that removed and it be equally distributed, we're both broken and our brokenness just rubbed against each other. Felt kind of freeing. I, you make me think back to a, a, just a quick moment uh, with Connor, where in the therapy room, I we were talking about me nibbling on his ear and that it, it he kind of pulled away from that. Um. I couldn't understand it. And he said, well, it's because two things. You talk with your hands, which anybody that knows me knows that I'm always talking with my hands. And the second thing was, is you make this ticking noise with your mouth when you're on the phone. Like, and I, maybe, I hope I haven't done it once. <laughs> nope. I, I haven't noticed. Yeah. So, so what, what is a girl to do when she wants to nibble on her husband's ears, but she <laughs> realizes he's 
turned off by her talking with her hands. I would literally sit on my hands, to your point, Erin. I, I, I wrapped myself in a pretzel trying to figure out what, what was needed. But this is the thing. I now know that was an integrity issue. That was gaslighting. That was mm-hmm. Connor strategically twisting the truth to make me think there was something wrong with me instead of owning that he was sexually acting out. And I took the bait. The therapist took the bait, but it didn't help us get us into an honest conversation about what was really brewing under the surface that needed to be attended to. Wow. One of the things that constantly amazes me is how God takes the greatest train wrecks, the greatest tragedies, the deepest pain, and somehow manages uh, to fashion a redemptive purpose out of it. And I see in your life a tremendous redemptive purpose. Today, uh, you're able, uh, Dr. Sherry, to empathize with the pain of partners, the betrayer and the betrayed. You know it from the inside, not from the outside. And God's using you in remarkable ways. I am just in awe of what God has done and continues to do in your life. Thank you so much for taking time to talk with us today. This has been a wonderful conversation. The book, by the way, listeners, once again, the book is Intimate Deception, Healing the Wounds of Sexual Betrayal by Dr. Sherry Keffer. I can't recommend it more highly. And we'll put uh, more information about Dr. Sherry in the show notes. And can I just give a shout out for those of you that have been listening today? I have a retreat that's coming up. It's March 21st through the 24th. Um, It's called Bravery After Betrayal. It takes fear as strength. And it's four days of going deeper and doing a lot of experiential work. It's not just talking heads. We have small groups and I take you on through um, places of peeling back the shame and then getting more empowered over the four days. Um, If you're interested, um, you can just, any time of sexual betrayal, whether you're married, in it to win it, whether you're separated, divorced, um, in a engaged situation. Anyway, just wanted to give a shout out. If you're interested, just go to braveone.com forward slash retreats. It's B-R-A-V-E-O-N-E.com forward slash and the word retreats. Now, Sherry, is that for someone that is on the betrayed side or on the betrayor side? Who who's looking at it? Is it a that? women's retreat or it's a women's what? retreat? It's for okay. women that have been sexually betrayed at any stage along the journey. And okay. I'm going to okay. equip you and send you So home. basically almost all women. Um, that's a terrible <laughs> thing to say. But <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh. My word. Well, hey, I want to wrap this up today here without doing our final segment because we've been chatting for a while. So we're going to have to have Sherry and Aaron with an E sign off with us, Nate. But listeners, make sure if you have any questions or thoughts or don't like what we said, uh, send that in to piratemonkpodcast at gmail.com. And this week, you can address that to Nate Larkin or Aaron Schwind. Fantastic. Uh, so piratemonkpodcast at gmail.com. Go check out Sherry's book and this retreat, which, oh, man, I want to go. I'm not a girl. Lame. <laughs> <laughs> remember that remember that 70s uh, TV show Bosom Buddies? Do you think we could pull that off, Aaron, you and my you and I? I I think I no. No, <laughs> no? I don't. Uh I mean Tom Hanks 
really didn't pull it off either, and I'm not even close. So, <laughs> all right. Well, I think that does it for this episode of the podcast. This has been a joy. Until next time, then. I'm Nate. And I'm Aaron. I'm Aaron. And I'm Dr. Sherry. <laughs> and we are your pals on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Arg. The Pirate Monk Podcast is produced by members of the Samson Society. Send your feedback or questions to piratemonkpodcast at gmail.com. Please give us a five-star review on iTunes and share the podcast with a friend. For more information, please visit samsonsociety.com. <laughs>